Hello and welcome to Listen Carefully. I'm your host Nathan Jolly and my guest today is Go-Between's drummer Lindy Morrison. Lindy's in a new band called Snarsky Circus Lindy Band who has a mini album out now. Someone said that someone said. The band is also currently touring Australia. I'll share the tour dates at the end of the interview. Enjoy. So John O'Donnell said it's the worst band name he's ever heard. Is that correct? He did. He did. He said that uh, we should get rid of it. As soon as I told him, he said, I've just never heard. He was scathing. <laughs> he, he, he absolutely hated it. I, I lost a bit of confidence for a second. How did it come about, the name? Well, um, Rob Snarsky came up with the name um, and I wasn't crazy about it because if it was going to be Snarsky Band, it should have been Snarsky Band Morrison. No, Snarsky Circus Morrison Band. That's what I would have liked. But then he didn't think that had the, the kind of rhythm in it and or the, he didn't think it had the right feel. And then I, I said I didn't like it that much. And then he sent me 20 names of um, different ideas he had for a band name. And all of them were just terrible. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't want to expend any more energy thinking on it. And I, I, I often make decisions where I don't have, have anything to do with, for instance, the artwork or, um, uh, you know, the decisions about font styles or, or anything to do with covers or um, often videos or stuff like that because... It's a waste of energy because people always have differing views. So in the end, I just went with Snarsky Circus Lindy Band and I've settled into it. Yeah, I mean, every name is silly until it's just a name that you say over and over again. It's true. It's true. And um, it was Andrew McMillan who said uh, to me, from you know, the Australian writer. I do, yeah. He said, oh, it's a bit annoying because you've got to go a cap on the S, the C, and the L, and the B. He said that was a bit annoying. And no spaces either. <laughs> and and no spaces either. Although I think that's a, a bonus. It's good for the internet, for search engines. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I'll use that in my next interview. <laughs> <laughs> and so when did you and Rob start working together was it the kind of idea that was an idea for ages before you actually pulled them no nothing like that you you haven't heard the story because he does it often from stage (laughs) so i went to see him play at um i think it was camelot in sydney and marrickville and i'd been out drinking during the day with a journalist friend called jack marks oh yeah yeah i know him do you know jack okay well you know how black jack is yes you know jack is jack is black Black, black in temperament, black in mood, and black as a writer. Yeah, writes dark stories about Sydney and things. Yeah, he's he, he's actually very amusing. And um, I had come to the show, and first of all, um, Peter Milton Walsh was on, and Peter Milton Walsh, you know, is his songs are, are, are morbid to say the least, and then that was followed by the the dreary, sad songs of of Rob Snarsky, which, and I was sitting with Amanda Brown. I was actually sitting there crying, sobbing. Well, maybe, maybe not sobbing. I was probably being very careful 
just to have tears rolling down my face like there's nothing more ugly than a screwed up face of a woman crying. So I might have had a bit more control. But um, And he came up and said, I'm not ever going to see you again. This is just too much. It's too sad. I don't like this. I don't know why you're writing all these sad songs. And then um, about two weeks later, Milton Walsh was going, was playing in Canberra and he said, why don't, and he, he and his wife said, why don't you come with us? And uh, we're playing and, and, and you can see Rob again. And I don't know why, I, it was, I was just excited to be travelling in some kind of big car to Canberra where I wasn't driving. And, and then Rob contacted me and he said, I hear you're coming to Canberra, why don't you bring a snare drum and do some brushes? And I thought that sounded like a really good idea. But um, it wasn't such a great idea because the brushes were too, didn't work. And I re really do feel very sorry for that audience because it was terribly linear and lacking in dynamics <laughs> and, 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 and it would have been even more dreary and boring. Anyway, then I, I wanted to redeem myself, of course. So I, I then said, why don't we have another go where I'll use sticks or I'll play backbeats. I was playing traditional brushes, you know, yeah. that sort of stuff. And uh, then that was it. We started playing and it's a marriage made in heaven. It really is. We're absolutely so suited to each other. And now I've encouraged him to write faster songs. And um, that's, that's my role in life, Nathan, <laughs> to have him... <laughs> To have him write some more upbeat, up-tempo tunes. I love how self-referential the EP is as well. They're all kind of, you know, songs about you guys. <laughs> yeah, they are really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think that's because you were so clear that, you know, enough sad songs? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I've made it quite clear that... Um, yeah, but look, that's it's so funny because you know I, I wrote that song. Um, Since I slept with you, everyone wants to sleep with me, right? Yep. Uh, so I wrote that lyric. It was a joke. So then I wrote another joke, uh, another joke, another kind of fun song called "Always, Always," in the great tradition of songs that have the same word twice, like Louis Louis. <laughs> Anyway, when I got that song back from him, we haven't recorded it yet, it is the saddest song you've ever heard. The saddest, slowest, but most absolutely gorgeous. Like the melody is to die for. It's absolutely beautiful. It's called Always, Always. But this was meant to be an upbeat, up-tempo song and it's turned into the most tragic tragic piece of work ever he can't help himself no no he can't he can't nathan <laughs> you mentioned amanda before i really like the cleopatra wong eps oh well that's so kind of you because uh you know i think only uh i think we only sold like 682 copies at the time and um you know basically it was practically ignored but she's not happy with it you know Oh, why is that? Yeah, she doesn't like her vocal. She really does not like her vocal on, on that record. I suppose because her vocals changed over the years and that was the first record. Oh, that was the first song she ever wrote, of course. 
uh, and recorded. But I, I love that record, even yeah. though it's like it's so overproduced by Mark Moffat. Mark was just coming off the back of Treaty, where he'd he'd produced the original Treaty, but then that was set off set off to that guy. Uh, his name I've forgotten now. Who did the remix? Yeah, um, Gavin Campbell. Is that the guy? No, no, no. Um, and uh, we could look it up after. Yeah, uh, and, and, oh, then, and then it wasn't Rob Gooch, was it? Yeah, it was Rob Gooch. Yeah, yeah, yeah great. Well done, Nathan. Brilliant. Wow, <laughs> oh, you're on it, man. Yeah, my trivia brain runs deep. <laughs> you look young too. And uh, and um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so he was really kind of, uh, you know, I, I'm trying not to use the word resentful because in case he listens to this, but uh, he was resentful that that Robert got all the credit for it because it was a brilliant remix, of course, but when Mark had put down the original tracks, right? So you can understand it. Anyway, so when he, got, he we were the next cab off the rank, practically. And so it's, you know, like, it's all, it's a, there are all my parts, but it's all, I, I had to play into this. Um, they used to play, there was this period where we used to play into this kind of software. It was all the rage for a year or so. You'd play into it and then they'd quantize everything you did so it was perfect, you know. <laughs> like, and I, I was playing it to um, uh, Shane O'Mara, uh, the other day, in in my Holden, we were driving to a gig. Shane O'Mara's in uh, Rob Snarsky's band. He's a Melbourne bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And and like and it was going. You know, we were just going. Wow! Like we were playing. Thank you. I'll tell you why we were playing. Thank you. I really love. Thank you. It's a great song. But uh, we we're playing it because Amanda is going to be doing a, a, a gig at the Sydney City Recital Hall on the thirtieth of June. And the Snarsky Circus Lindy Band is supporting. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, the Sydney City Recital Hall are bringing the eight guitarists together from her album. And um, and Shane O'Mara is one of them. So he's being brought up. And so, is, well, well, actually, Danny Whittingham from Brisbane is one of them, but he can't make it because he's got another gig. So, so Graham Lee, who's in our band, is being brought up as well. So almost all our band is being brought up <laughs> for Amanda's and we're supporting. So it's like a win-win for us. So it's a great gig, a huge gig. Yeah. So anyway, what am I saying? We we can do thank you. We can do a version of thank you. Well, that was meant to be a big surprise, but I guess it's not now. But you know, I don't know. I don't know how many people listen to your podcast. <laughs> Probably not the same <laughs> audience. So I've been reading a lot about 70s Brisbane of late. That must have been a very weird time to be, because it seems like it was so fertile artistically, yet it was so repressed with cops and corruption and everything. What was it like as a young artist coming up in that environment? Well, there were two kind of, um, two streams that, because I was acting for quite a while uh, and also living with a bunch of actors in the early 70s and, and that were most, my most formative years. I was living with Jeffrey Rush and an actor called Billy Brown, who's now deceased, and another actor called Trevor Stewart and a bunch of musicians. We hung out with the, the you know, the radical left, and it was supposed the Vietnam War demonstrations and March for Civil Rights and, in particular, Black Power and, and civil rights for Indigenous people. And, and the state government and the police were so terribly oppressive and, the, you know, the right to march had been banned and 
Um, so the, the subculture of art really flourished, as subcultures do when there's an overriding authoritative power above them. I think Brisbane, you know, countercultural scene really thrived. I mean, you can particularly see that with the advent of punk. So I, I was playing um, drums in the mid-70s and, and acting, but um, I, I really didn't, um, I had to make a decision. Uh, and it was punk, the, the political power of punk, as I saw it, and the fact that punk was bringing the fight to the streets, really, uh, because the, the fight was outside the venues. And, there, you know, the, the, a lot of those boys in punk bands were particularly, you know, that in my, my view, were particularly brave the way they stood up to the cops in an artistic way by going out and playing music and, and being shut down at, at gigs and all that sort of stuff. It was, it, was, it was powerful, I think. Yeah, that happened a lot, didn't it? Like they were basically trying to shut down every live show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were really interesting bands like The Leftovers and um, Razor and, look, there's, you know, quite a few, you know. See, we, I suppose we were influenced by the, the Saints, but I think we were really just terribly, because oh, they wrote such great songs about Brisbane, like Security City and Stranded. But uh, but I think it, the overriding factor was, you know, we were always trying to change the political scape because we knew that the cops were corrupt. And we knew the government was corrupt. We just knew that they were, you know, you know foul. Yeah. Uh, you know, we could see it. And and as women, when we were picked up, the sexist language that was thrown at us and uh, it was just despicable. But also in the 1973 and 74, I worked in the Aboriginal and Islander Legal Services, a social worker, and I'd seen close up extraordinary racism, uh, you know, the, and I'd travelled all over Queensland and, and I just... When you see it so clearly, the, the racism that the Indigenous people suffered and, and still suffer, of course, but the, in Queensland at that time, it was just disgusting. And you returned to social work after the go-betweens. Yeah. So I I had a child in 91, and I guess that changed how uh, my life. Amanda and I had Cleopatra Wong, but we both had children, and it was impossible. It was absolutely impossible to tour. We tried with children, but I can't tell you how awful it was. But anyway, um, so we stopped doing that, and then I had to find, you know, ways to make a living. Um, and for about 20 years I worked in community music, running um, all sorts of events all over Australia, like drum pageants on at Rockhampton or parades in Beachport in South Australia or um, Mount Isa, I did stuff up there, like all over really. And then um, and I also got involved with the copyright industries because I, I was trying to sort out the go-betweens. Oh, is that how you got in PPCA? Yeah, I became absolutely obsessed with understanding how copyright worked and wanting to change things. I'm not going to go into that now because it's too complicated and it involves federal legislation and I wasn't successful. I did change some things, though, particularly in PPCA. I was very effective there in making sure that artists get a distribution of the fees that are collected for the use of the sound recordings. Um, so I was successful in that. But Amazing. I can't go into why, but I got into that because I was trying to sort the go-betweens contracts. And then I was on that board, and, and it was 1998 now, and uh, some people in the industry started up Support Act. 
and they knew I had a social work degree and they asked would I work for three hours a week in setting it up and developing that charity. And I probably worked for three hours a week for at least five to eight years and then it was like 10 hours a week, then it was 12 hours a week. It was never full-time. Even during COVID, it wasn't full-time. But during COVID, it changed substantially, obviously, because so much money was given to the organisation by the federal government. But at the end of, um, in April 21, I just gave all my, every job away. I just said, I'm not doing any more of this. I'm not doing any more work. I'm just going to concentrate on playing. I really had loved all the work I did in the industry, but I was done. And all I wanted to do was get back to playing. And I, some ways I regret that I didn't do that earlier, but... I've had luck with playing with Rob and I've had luck with other gigs as well. Uh, you know, I've been I've been doing stuff overseas as well. I've had a, a lucky run over the last few years. So I've been earning money, but I may not, if I'd stopped work, been earning any money. Uh, so you've got those sorts of things to balance out if you can understand the dilemma that I was facing. Oh, absolutely. About wanting to have one last hurrah at playing music again and, and getting good on the drums again and getting strong again before I die. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've still got decades and decades of live music ahead of you. <laughs> no, I haven't, Nathan. You have to know that. <laughs> I don't, actually. <laughs> but it's sweet of you to say so. <laughs> and what was the kind of catalyst for you wanting to jump back into music? Did anything, like, spawn that? I, well, just my mortality. Just Right. You know, just realising that, you know, probably didn't have, you know, you you see people after 75, you can definitely see a huge physical difference. You know, I, I am 70, you know, and, and like I can see when I see my friends who are 75, I can see the difference. So I can see the run I've, I've got, you know, I've, I can see that race I'm on. And I'm racing on that race now. And I've been lucky to. And drumming's so physical. Well, it is and it isn't. Of course, with Rob's songs, it's it's not so physical uh, because it's slow. But it, it it's very, very, very focused. And it, the focus is, is it's hard and I've got to practice all the time. I mean, I have to. I go to a studio, Soundworks in Marrickville all the time to practice, to keep myself together. Um, to keep myself loose and everything. But this, the fast songs, I don't have the speeds I used to have because you've got to be playing fast to play fast. And when I was overseas, I was having to play some fast songs. I had to sit down for three or four weeks beforehand and and just play those fast songs, you know, every day to build up the tempo, you know. And it's good now because, you know, there's fast song, there's a couple of fast songs in in, in Rob said, and hopefully there'll be more fast songs coming up. Um, yeah. and, um, and, you know, they're, they're a breeze for me now because, you know, I've, I've built up the, the stamina to do to, it. So that, 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 that hurts a bit. You know, my arms burn a bit after. My, my legs and my feet hurt <laughs> and are tight for days. If I have a run of three gigs, my feet and my, my calves hurt for days. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know three gigs in a row it's a lot well it's not really when you think about the tours the go-betweens used to do 
you know, we'd be on the road for nine months, five, six gigs a week. Jeez. And and disgust, disgusting drives, yeah. But you don't see those young bands. That, that's what they're doing. Uh, maybe that's why I've got longevity now because I did have that break. I mean, I, I was in all those community music shows I was doing, you know, I, I, I was directing all the time and, and sometimes I'd sit on the drums but not a lot. But I was directing, you know, I was directing there more than playing. Yeah. Right, like a conductor kind of thing. Yeah, just like a conductor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's your favourite period of the go-betweens in terms of musically and also memory-wise? I've got two favourite periods. One is the before Hollywood period, because I, th- I yeah. think I was at, I think I was at my peak then, and that was before the producers came in and changed my the way I played. So it's my playing so authentic and and unique and original and fabulous and also um you know robert and grant <laughs> i'm just laughing because uh, i was saying something like that to shane omara the other day and shane said yeah that was the thing about you go between it's like everything you ever did was like the most brilliant i you know granted me say i wrote the most fantastic song you know i sat down last night <laughs> and so i wrote three hit singles and robert me say oh yes these songs are so great you know <laughs> That's what you do. You go between all do that. And I've just done it again. But you did ask me. No, and I <laughs> I agree though. The the drums are so important to like that record in particular. And um my other one is when Amanda joined with Tallulah. Yep. Uh and see if if you listen to that, so much of what the rhythm section does, we're playing with her. You know, in the Clark Sisters and Jack Kerouac and and other songs, we're playing the same parts as her. You know, when she's going da 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 da, you know, I'm doing that. Yeah, you do that in a lot of the Go Between songs, kind of play yeah. with the the melodies rather than yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. It's yeah. the sound of the Go Between. Yeah, yeah, probably until the last album, which is why the uh, last album was so successful because <laughs> because I wasn't allowed to do that anymore. Well, in that documentary, you all sound so unhappy by that point. Yeah, yeah, we were pretty unhappy by that point. Um, but, um, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Tallulah, Tallulah, before Hollywood and Tallulah. Yeah, nice times. Oh, yeah, and having Amanda in the van was so much fun. You know, it really was. It was just so much fun. We had so much fun together. We really did. Yeah, I was actually wondering, because you said Amanda was with you when you first went to see rob when he then asked you to bring the snare in was there any idea of getting amanda in this band or was she working on her solo record at that time no 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 see amanda's had no interest really in has <laughs> no no interest in playing live because she composes all the time yeah right she's absolutely inundated by work composing for film and television and she works all the time every day sitting at her computer writing cues for movies or TV. You know, when you go around, she's got screens and, you know, keyboards and stuff. It's all happening. So she wouldn't have ever considered playing live. And that record took a long time for her to make. And I'm sure she thought about going live, but it it was very kind of um, the director of programming, Stuart Rogers, to ask her to do that. Uh, You know, the the gig on June 30. So now she gets to, to, to do that live. 
Yeah, and that'll be so interesting because you, did you say that the eight guitarists are all going to be? They're all going to be there. Wow. Yeah, they're all going to do a tune each. And Amanda and I are going to do Thank You uh, with uh, Shane. And uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, uh, I suppose it'll be Jonathan because she's using Hamish Stewart and Jonathan Schwartz as her rhythm section. I don't know if you know them. No, I don't know those guys. They're, they're jazzers. So. Uh, they're, they're, they're beautiful players. Like, you know, you're, you're talking about the cream de la cream of players. They're beautiful and they always play together, so they're very sympathetic players. So uh, she used them on the album, so she's going to have them. And uh, and um, I'm playing with Dan Kelly. He, he's our bass player, but Dan doesn't make the gigs all the time because Paul Kelly's – he plays with Paul Kelly and Paul Kelly's always on the road. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, so is he and they playing the Melbourne show with you? Is that what's happening? Uh, Saturday, yes. So excited. Uh, it's a matinee at 3 o'clock. Yeah, we're only doing a matinee at 3 o'clock because I don't know why. Because we only played Melbourne recently, frankly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't go back too often when you're just a, an alternate cult band. <laughs> it's a bit like having an alternate cult podcast, Nathan. <laughs> it is, yeah. You can't go on the road too often. <laughs> Speaking of alternate cult things, mm. did you play in an all-female punk band in Brisbane before Go Betweens? Yeah, called Zero Z E R O. Yeah, did you play on any of the tapes? Because I found a bunch of tapes that were on like some forum, like just downloaded bootlegs, like tapes from that. But it seemed to be kind of slightly different thing. It had electronic drums on it or something. Where did you find that? Oh, some old blog that had like. It was basically explaining what the band was and it had the um, downloads. Uh, okay. So when I left, so interesting you should ask me about this because I've got another story about this. Yeah, great. So um, when I left, Zero became XERO because I left to join the Go-Betweens. Right. And then they, they really they really changed. They became an electronic band. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. Arena Lucas is the singer, was the singer-songwriter from that band. And she moved to Hobart, and we're pl- her and I are playing together at Dark Mofo. It's wild. She's got like we're, we're doing. I think it's about it is. It's eleven songs that she has tracks to that she sings and plays um, keyboards to, and she's got film to, and I'm playing drums. So that's uh, in that that and we haven't played together for forty years. Wow, that's so cool. It is cool. And uh, it was Ben Salter who organised that. Yeah, yeah, I know Ben Salter. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if I know him, but I'm getting to know him now, obviously, by emails. But I don't know if I know him. Yeah, he has great records himself. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I've listened to some now. Yeah. What are your feelings about Go Between's Bridge? That must have been a weird thing. No, I don't know why it's weird. It wasn't weird. A toll bridge named after a band? <laughs> I didn't know it was a toll bridge. I didn't realise it was a toll bridge, mate. <laughs> it was only it was only after uh, it was set up and and then everybody started going, nee, 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 you know, do something about the tolls. No, 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 do all that. Like I'm going, what tolls? I don't know anything about tolls? Come on, I don't know. I mean, you know, like come on, you've got to take the take the little things. On your way, but uh, I mean, the great thing about the the bridge, Nathan, was that 
um, we were invited up there by the Sydney Council, Amanda and I, and Robert Vickers was invited. I, I think he, I think they paid for his ticket maybe to come over. I hope so. I think so. I think they paid for ours generally to come up. And um, I hadn't spoken to Robert since the breakup. Robert Forster. Yeah, and so we arrived, and and uh, and then uh, uh, you know Robert and I and Amanda and Robert Vickers and. Um, Adele uh, and John Wilstead, that, that, you know, the, all, all the different people from different times of the Go Betweens. So it wasn't just the classic Go Betweens lineup. There, there were other people there. Yeah. And uh, but then uh, Robert and I uh, got to walk across the bridge together, uh, just the two of us, and we caught up on everything. You know, we caught up, and it, it was really endearing and um, quite poignant uh, to, you know, finally catch up our, on our lives and be able to face one another and talk in a civil, humane way. So literally water under the bridge. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> that's so nice. And it's, it's so nice that that kind of brought you guys back together again. Yeah, well, so that's why... When everybody was going on about the toll, Nathan, <laughs> when they're all going on about the toll, I was going, oh, a toll? You know, like really rolling my eyes. <laughs> you should at least get royalties for it. Uh, yeah. Cut. Yeah. <laughs> no. Cut every time someone drives over. <laughs> the really great thing is the bridge goes across to the Billy Brown Theatre and Billy Brown was that was one of the guys that I lived with, one of the actors. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. I really love that. I just think it's just amazing. Yeah, that one little share house in Brisbane is like yeah. got these cultural institutions named after people who lived there. Yeah, that's right. And you said you lived with Jeffrey Rush in that same house. Yeah, Jeffrey Rush lived there and, and then we went overseas together and he went to a um, Lecoq Mine School in Paris um, and I was kind of wandering around Europe and doing different stuff and, uh, you know, I used to drop in at Paris and stay with him and, then we moved back to um, uh, I moved back to Brisbane, and he and he moved into Organflower Terrace in Brisbane and lived there for a while. Uh, yeah, so we've lived we shared houses for I don't know eight eight years probably on and off. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very 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 creative actor. So what's next for the band? Is there another record on the way? Full length album? Perhaps. We've still got to finish touring this one. See, what I'd like to do, but I don't know, I was thinking about it just today. What I'd like to do is just record like five tracks and then put it all out as an album with those other tracks. Yeah, well, people do that. Yeah, I, I think that's what we should do, uh, do that because, um, it, yeah, I just think we should do that. Yeah, I agree. You should. Yeah, yeah. And that was Lindy Morrison. Snarsky Circus Lindy Band are playing this afternoon in Brisbane. If you're a Brisbane listener, quickly get dressed and rush down there. They're playing 3pm at It's Still a Secret. Sydney Siders can catch them at City Recital Hall on June 30th. They're playing Darwin Railway Club on July 8th. And they're playing two shows at the Wheat Sheaf Hotel in Adelaide, July 15 and 16. And of course, you can get their EP 
Go to listencarefully.com.au for show notes, which will include a list of all the people that we spoke about. There was a bit of insider baseball stuff there, and also a list of songs that were discussed. And my guest next week is Nathan Cavalieri. Till then.